The Baptist and the Buddhist, identical twin brothers with two vastly different faiths. Join them as they explore their respective religions and how they differ and how they relate. Same DNA, different religions. The Baptist and the Buddhist live in person. Mark, Brian. Brian. Um, it's been a while. It's uh, been a while since we did, we've done a, an actual episode. Yep, yep. Um, I think we celebrated our one year and then life started getting very, very busy. Very busy and really like we're just taking a hiatus at this moment, but we wanted to make sure when we had an opportunity to be together, you guys had an opportunity to be with us. Yeah, so, we are with, here. We, we haven't stopped making episodes like forever or anything. Um, I know our audio listeners, you got a uh, a bonus track when we were on the um, uh, the Come Pray With Me podcast. I never posted that audio until like maybe a month ago. So, so that was a nice treat for the audio listeners. It was, yeah, yep. it was a really cool episode. Yeah, uh, yeah. And... We have some fun stuff for the Baptist and Buddhist uh, content in the near future. Uh, kind of stuff we haven't really done before, so it'll be kind of fun. Exactly. So stay tuned, all of you. Stay, stay tuned. tuned. Um, yeah, but we are here today for an in-person, you know, in-person talk. Kind of impromptu. Yeah. We don't have, I mean, usually we don't have a script anyways. We don't say, hey, well, we're going to talk about this and then this and then this. We're just like, hey, what do you want to talk about? This. Oh, okay, cool. Let's let's record. So that's what it's like right now, but with you guys watching. Yeah, and we just kind of came up with a very vague general topic and uh, said, let's just let's do an episode. You know, maybe we will have questions from the viewers uh, that we can tackle. Yeah. Um. Exactly. If you guys are, if you guys are watching this and want to know something, anything really, it doesn't have to deal with the topic, but just anything. While we're together, like guys, answer this now, live. Or if you're not live and you're listening and watching, and or watching, and you say, "Man, I really have this burning question," or "I'm just really curious about something," or "I just want to say hi," you can always reach us at many of our contact points, which includes, and but not limited to, email, baptistandbuddhist at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, TikTok. Um, you can find us on all podcast apps. It's, and we have, we have many ways to contact us. It's just up to you to contact us. Um, and we always enjoy hearing from you guys. We get to, we, we get to, uh, hear from many people around the country and even the world. I mean, we've, we've been on global stage and it's always a fun, exciting time. So, and for anyone who, you know, if you're tuning in, you forgot who we were, who in the world are we? Like, why are there two guys talking? It's like that little kind of the same, but not really. Yeah. And maybe maybe you're not familiar with us, and you just kind of stumbled onto this. Who are we? The Baptists and the Buddhists. That's interesting. Weird. 
How Heretical. This, how does this work? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, we are good question. We are identical twin brothers who just happen to have extraordinarily, drastically, uh, dis- uh, different faiths. Yeah. I almost said disturbingly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> in some, in some ways, faiths. yes, it's disturbing. But to some people, it's so like, it is disturbing. It's like, it, to some people, what? it is. Especially even some of our closer friends. It's like, how do you, how, why are you guys the way you are? It could be a case study. So we have a Baptist and we have a Buddhist. And we, on this podcast, we like to discuss the, our differences, how we approach different topics, different subjects, our life. Um, it's, it's a... Uh, I think it's a great opportunity to show the world that despite differences, we can come together and we can discuss things that might be deemed in the public sphere as no-goes. We don't talk about religion, especially with family. Um, yeah, and it, 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 we're trying to break that barrier of like the uncomfortable dinners where like no one wants to talk about anything because they're afraid people will be offended. Um, and, um, just opening up that, that, uh, that dialogue between the two of us, especially since a lot of times we haven't really talked about much of this, of our faiths, of our beliefs together. Um, and so we're kind of giving you guys a fly on the wall, uh, experience with seeing how, that those conversations go. Um, so it's, it's, uh, kind of a unique opportunity, not for us, but for the viewers and listeners to actually be able to see that as well. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of what we talk about. We haven't discussed with each other, like he said. And so you get to kind of experience how two identical twin brothers might tackle these topics. Exactly. Um, because I believe, I don't know about him, but I believe that we should, uh, we should, uh, be able to approach these topics without getting heated and wanting to punch the other in the face. Yeah, or, uh, like, making the other person, not necessarily uncomfortable, but, like, uh, find distaste with your position. Like, wow, what a jerk. Like, I don't want to ever talk to them again. Like, that's just not productive in any kind of relationship or any kind of interpersonal communication. It's just not conducive to anything. Yeah, it tends to, when talking from different religious perspectives, we we tend to uh, kind of kill the conversation before it could even start. Um, one, one group might say something that just completely shuts down the opportunity for the other group to say anything and feel like they have the space to say anything. Yeah. We've seen plenty of, uh, plenty of confrontations that all of a sudden the other party feels intimidated or, um, like they have no room to even be there or to, um, to ask questions or have any kind of conversation. And then it's like, okay, I'm out. Yeah. It, it, 
you know, the, the, the goal is to create that kind of atmosphere where both sides feel like, okay, I can, you know, I can share things that I might not necessarily share with others in similar contexts. Uh, yeah. We, yeah. And we don't have to destroy each other or start bashing each other with misconceptions that are even bringing it to fisticuffs. Yeah, we're not we're not here to to prove ourselves right or prove them wrong. It's just that in the history of the world, I don't think that's ever actually been a a very fruitful territory. Nope. Never. So we're here to discuss in a manner of dialogue and respect our, you know, particular different approaches. Yep. Exactly. So we were, we've been, we've been spending the whole week together. Usually we don't get this opportunity because we live far away from each other. This week, it's different because it's vacation for both of us and we're like, we're just going to do a twin week and uh, we've talked a lot about some stuff and uh, we've done some really cool stuff for the podcast itself. So stay tuned because there's some awesome stuff coming your way. You guys will either love it or like unsubscribe that very minute. Yeah. Which I don't blame you because we're weird. <laughs> but um, we've also been talking a lot and like, you know, feeling up the next couple episodes maybe the next season or whatever it's going to be um and today we were just kind of wanting to share what it what a daily practice looks like you know day in the life of yeah um, so you're going to follow me f from when i go to bed and until i wake up and until i go to bed again real time 24 7 hours <laughs> let's go no nope. uh, <laughs> uh, yeah well i think it's like you know both traditions probably have you know, daily practices that, um, but also like, also our daily, our day-to-day -day life is, um, is kind of informed by our spiritual practice or spiritual faith or, uh, what have you. And so we, there's, we'll kind of touch on how that, how, the, how our faiths influence our daily lives, our, Routines, our reactions, etc. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes there are things that we do in our daily lives that are influenced by our not only our like religious beliefs but culture, and it, we just take it for granted. And it, I mean, Brian probably is confused by some things I do. And he's I probably know. confused by a lot of things I do. I am. Just afraid to ask. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> well, this is our time to ask. So. Daily, where, where do we even begin in saying, like, what's a day in the life of a, of a Baptist look like? Well, let's start when we wake up in the morning. Our alarm clock goes off. Then what? Yeah, you know, I remember my, one of my early pastors used to say, like, every morning we should be thankful that we ha we're not waking up inside a, a chalk outline. I'm like, well, first off, we wouldn't be waking up. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, if I was waking up inside of a chalk outline, I would be thankful that I'm waking up. <laughs> but thankfulness is a big part of, like, 
a daily life. I mean, it's a big part of daily life that you should have or strive for maybe um, that uh, that a Baptist or just a Christian in general should have. Now, there are a lot of people that probably don't take that as close and dear to heart as they should uh, because Scripture tells us to be thankful and to be basically, I mean, they always say like it should be, you should be in an attitude of thanks living um, all the time. Like, I mean, because they, they say, some people say like when you ask, how, how are you? It's like, well, I'm doing better than I deserve. Um, and I mean, beyond that, it's just every day has blessings that we should be thankful for. Um, and really, when my when a day starts, or any really mo- given moment, uh, ideally, I like to be living, and I think Scripture would back this up with really not taking life too seriously, because in the end, that moment's not gonna. Uh, that moment that you're in that maybe might be stressful or maybe it's a just a bad day or something it's not going to be like that forever and we have hope it like a eternal hope looking forward to um and sometimes i find it hard to take things too seriously and maybe that's a fault to to a degree um but it's kind of just looking at the big picture Look at the big picture and like everything's going to work out one way or another. Some things are going to be harder than the others, but you'll still get through it. M- moment by moment, you'll get through it. So waking up, I always try to have that attitude. Try. It's a key word, but thankfully it's not all dependent on me. Um, and I mean, that's when you say waking up, that's what I think of. Hmm. Waking, waking up. Yeah, it's. I was like right there with you, with all of that until that last part. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, because it really is uh, <clears throat> very similar for for Buddhists, um, and I hear a lot of different uh, teachers and. Uh, And, you know, the Buddhist masters and stuff uh, talk about uh, waking up and, you know, some of them say the, the first thing, the very first thing you should do while conscious, still laying there, even before you open your eyes, is is uh, cultivate metta or loving kindness. So you're really trying to almost instinctually radiate this this friendliness towards all beings in every direction um which is really can help set the 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 mood for the day going forward waking up instead of waking up on the wrong side of the bed you can get up and intentionally kind of cultivate that uh that that feeling of of what's sometimes called loving friendliness or loving kindness Meta to all to all beings, um, that could be that could definitely be a struggle, especially if you're just 
whoa, I can't even wake up in the morning. Alarm clock just interrupted my beautiful sleep. Um, uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was up there until you said it's not dependent on us because in, in Buddhism it is dependent on us. Um, and I was just listening uh, to a talk of some verses on the Dhammapada where it says, um, you know, only we can only depend on ourselves for, well, first of all, you know, we ourselves kind of in Buddhist terms, defile our minds where they, where we, you know, we plant seeds and in, you know, of intention of, of, of greed and hate, but we ourselves also can plant seeds of compassion and loving kindness and, and renunciation. And, and so, uh, what can we do to cultivate peace and non-harming to ourselves and others? And that's kind of what the, you know, waking up with that intention of love and kindness does, uh, you know, no one can purify another person's intentions. We can only do that ourselves. Um, and, you know, so there's, there's the theory about, behind that. And then there's the actual practice of what that looks like. Um, do I wake up every day and immediately, you know, jump to spread meta spread loving kindness? No. Um, but there's also a very strong and prevalent tradition in, in many, many Buddhist, uh, traditions of, of, you know, pausing and giving yourself a moment to be mindful and, that could be a really powerful thing in the morning. You know, you, you get up and your mind is already racing. Like, oh, I don't want to get up. Oh, I have to go do this. Oh, I have to, I need water. Oh, man. And it just starts, it's just like a, a, a camera, a, a, like a film camera just boots up and reels start spinning. And it's it can be helpful to just sit there and, you know, okay, focus on my breath. What does my body feel like? Like what's going on? my body and my mind. Um, and shortly after waking up, I always like to give myself like 15, 20 minutes of, of formal meditation, formal sitting, uh, to kind of do what I said at the beginning, which is set your intention for the day, help be more mindful of what's going on. And, and, you know, as we talk about this topic, you'll see that that, that idea of dropping in some, uh, some, a pause and some awareness throughout the day is a, is a continuing theme throughout the day. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and that kind of reminded me of some things too, that, um, with, with waking up and like how to set your mind, like where to set your mind at, like what's the starting point and with with that uh with that comment you know it's not up to us uh, like it's not up to me to a point to a to a to a point it is 
because the scripture says to let us have the mind, like, uh, let us have the mind of Christ. Um, I'm paraphrasing, but in that, in that phrase, there's a point of, of intentionally having the mind of Christ. And it's not just like an automatic thing. And, uh, you know, the Bible talks about having, uh, having the spirit in us and like he gives, like God gives us peace. Um, but there's still a, a point where we have to get that, uh, make that what our day is going to be, what our life is going to be. It just doesn't happen automatically. So we have to have, it's like, I think it goes, uh, um, I just lost it again. It was right there, but it's let us, um, it's let us on, it's like, let us have the mind of Christ or something. I'll have to look it up again for word for word, but, um, and having a, uh, a prayerful attitude as well. You know, the Bible talks about prayer without ceasing. That's what Paul tells us to do. Um, we've talked, we've talked previously about that. And it's not like, it's not a constant word by word dialogue, but it could be, uh, like a state of mind. So, uh, and but it could be dialogue as well in your in in your heart to God. So when you do wake up, maybe make it a make it a a, a habit to say a quick prayer and spend a, a season in prayer during that time, and then it, it helps you prepare yourself for the day in that attitude, and it, it it gets the day off at that point, making up making up your mind at that point say i'm going to make it a great day um whether or not something bad or good happens it's i'm not going to let it sway my my viewpoint of the day um because there again there's that temporary there's that temporary timeline that you you get your your mind stuck in like oh no this is so terrible everything's wrong um, and, but you have to look past that and say, okay, not everything is going to be wrong all the time. So it, it depends on, it, it depends on you, but it, it doesn't necessarily entirely depend on you because you need to get the mind of Christ and that mind of Christ and having that, the right spirit will get you, uh, to that point of like, am I ready for the day at, with the right attitude and with the right settings on mm. um and there's something else i was going to say about that but i lost my train of thought but yeah having that prayerful attitude and the thankful attitude is is big yeah the thankful part uh reminds me um you know like kind of gratitude practice uh of you know of reflecting on what's you know the 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 kind of the good stuff the the beneficial things and um and i like what you say it's like oh this you know this isn't forever you know and that's like right there with impermanence <laughs> the kind of a mindfulness of impermanence where we can recognize like oh wow you know this this 
the line that I'm standing in at the grocery store, it's horrible. And you can like let that sour your mood for the rest of the day. Or you can say, oh yeah, this is like obviously not going to last forever. And, uh, you know, that kind of bringing your mindful, bringing your awareness back to the present moment, uh, you know, to your breath or whatever. You could even, uh, you know, just take a moment to kind of be aware of your, of your, maybe your, your posture, or maybe there's a particular sensation in your body, you know, all oh, my shoulder blades are just really tight or something like, and Wait, how did you know? <laughs> and that can like one, like it brings you back into the present moment, but two, it also like takes your awareness out of your, of your, your thoughts that are just, just all over just continuously uh you know arising in your mind and you can you can kind of take a step out of out of those thoughts for a moment and say and kind of give your give your awareness a break um and but the part of the being thankful thing uh the buddha often would uh, give lists. Uh, there's a lot of lists in Buddhism, but there's one that is particularly helpful. And and I believe he gave this with the instructions of, uh, of ref ref reflecting on these daily, um, maybe even like the moment you wake up, but... Uh, they're called, they're usually called the five reflections and it's things that help refocus you on what is important. So it's, you know, things that, things like I am subject to aging. There's no escape from aging. Uh, number two, it's like I'm subject to sickness. I will get sick. There's no escaping that. Uh, I'm subject to death and there's no escape from death, uh, you know, I will, I'm subject to change and separation from things that I hold dear. There's no escaping that. And also, um, you know, the last one really kind of, I think, brings all of this into perspective and says, I, I am responsible for my actions. I am subject to the consequences of my actions. Like, I am heir to my actions. Basically, I will reap everything that I sow. Um, so, make this a good day, you know? I mean, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't say that, but it ending with that, I think it's, you kind of can look back on the first four and say, okay, yeah, I, I get it. I get what, what really, what really matters today and in the long term, um, yeah. From a Christian's perspective, it, it's it basically is that because we're Scripture tells us that like everything we do uh, as a Christian will we can we will either reap rewards for that or just suffer loss at at our at the uh, judgment seat of Christ. And it's not necessarily that we're losing salvation or anything, but we're losing out on the rewards and the blessings that we could have. In eternity so like every little thing counts and it's a good reminder like okay 
okay, I'm living for, for Christ. And I mean, the Bible says like, whether you live or die, you are the Lord's where, you know, in everything, uh, do it unto the Lord. And so like, okay, is me getting angry that my, that my waiter's not coming fast enough? Like, and like showing a bad attitude about that, is that really going to reap any benefits from this uh, in my life? Or like, is my is my attitude going to reflect a uh, a good spirit? I mean, obviously, no one really enjoys a rude customer, so <laughs> you got to take that into consideration and um, and ha- again, it's like attitude, the right spirit. Uh, I remember our middle school principal always said, like, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. Like, you got to, <laughs> you get to choose how it is. And uh, not just for yourself, but everyone else around you. Um, yeah. And we're supposed, as Christians, we're supposed to be ambassadors for Christ on the earth. So I, we don't want to mess that, that up and, like, uh, and just appear as a, as an unthankful person and, like, seeing how that were like oh wow christians are like even just like the the body of christ has that kind of attitude uh, that doesn't that doesn't come off well to other people and it ruins their day too yeah that's that's really interesting because like in the in the suttas uh you'll actually see stories of uh the buddha's uh like main sangha of monastics um, and lay people will come up and say, oh, wow, you know, I saw them do this and this. And the Buddha's like, hey, monks, uh, you know, we, we should be, you know, we should be acting more like this. You know, we should be acting more, you know, we, we should maybe avoid a harsh speech, um, even if it's just expressly for not giving off the wrong idea to people who don't know who we are. (laughs) Oh, and it's kind of, you know, I think almost universally people can just also kind of take that idea of, you know, if I'm rude to my, to my waiter or whatever, like, is that even going to fix anything? You know, it's true. It's not going to be beneficial to anything. Yeah. And, uh, and the the Buddha, kind of along with the five reflections, also offered um, what he usually referred to as like the, I can't remember the phrasing, but like the best, the the most, the strongest mindfulness practices, the the mindfulness of death, of your own mortality, and that's kind of that kind of just like you know puts in perspective what is what's worth living for kind of Mm. like should i just you know is it worth getting up and being angry for the day or because like you're not going to go to bed satisfied from that (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah paul talks about like um thing like the things that are seen are temporal but things that are not seen our eternal and like we need to like even though we're submersed in this seen world and like in the temporal 
Like every, it's not, it's not going to last. Like, so don't let it affect you that much. Um, don't let it grind your gears that much because, you know, it's temporal. It's temporary. It's the, I mean, the Bible calls, uh, explains life as like a fleeting vapor. It's not going to last that long anyways. So sometimes you just got to deal with it and let it pass. Yeah, I think, uh, I want to say someone from the Thai forest tradition, maybe Ajahn Chah, uh, it probably, it might not have been him though. Uh, once said, uh, don't take your life so personally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, going back to, uh, a day in the life of, um, obviously like in the real world, like real life situation here, we go to work every day. Like, why in the world are we spending our time doing this stuff that we usually don't want to do? I happen to like my job. I like what I do. Um, so and it makes it makes it that much easier. But like sometimes you just wish ah, I didn't. I don't want to have to work like this every day. <laughs> and that's why I have vacation this week. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, why do we do the things we do? Is it because of like social, like social normality? Is it out of necessity? I know for a Christian, like, uh, you know, in the Gospels, it's like, hey, give, like, sell everything you have and just follow Jesus. Like, if someone asks for your shirt, give it to them. And a lot of people will say, like, well, why don't you Christians do that? Um, when it comes to who Jesus was talking to back then. He was talking to the nation of Israel that was following him and he was preparing them for the tribulation period. But so I'm going to have to go into some dispensationalism here. Dispensationalism alert. Yeah. Um, when, when you look at what age we're living in, the age of grace, we, we have to see how Christ teaches us through Paul um, since Paul is the apostle to the Gentiles, to the people in the age of grace. And he's, I mean, very plainly, he just says, a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. Like, he doesn't eat, and you die, and, like, your life, like, to operate a, I don't want to say successful life, but, like, to operate in your life, you you need to work, whether it's, like, toiling over your own garden and and you know doing everything yourself which is hard to do in this day and age you i mean it's hard to self-maintain and and self-provide um so usually like a a job to make money is how you do it and uh i mean that's how we do it uh that's i want we want to support our family support ourselves um so we have a uh so we have a, a good position in life that we can help others and influence others as well. So just like that part of the day in life, I got to go to work. And then, you know, obviously when you're in work, you don't want to have, again, that bad attitude or uh, a way of life or even just your cadence to be not profitable or not helpful in any situation. So something like something along those lines to when we're at a earthly job that we it's not like I'm 
I mean, a lot of jobs aren't that spiritual feeling. So, like, <laughs> like, oh man, I hate having to do this, but yeah, in a way, it is. It, it does. It does help out from a Christian's point of view. It is a spiritual job, either way. And you have coworkers, and you know, sometimes customers to influence and help out. So, I think from. from a, I think from a Buddhist perspective, and regardless of tradition, I think most Buddhists would, would say, like, you know, a really tough customer is a great teacher. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Dave, like, going to work, you know, what you do with your life, there's actually one of the eight aspects of the Eightfold Path is skillful uh, or right livelihood. And the Buddha you know, offered this kind of instruction on what would be a beneficial livelihood. And it was, it's basically, basically comes down to non-harming. So he said, what wouldn't, what wouldn't be skillful, right livelihood? You know, selling poisons, selling weapons, selling people, like killing beings, like those mm. like would just like, right out the gate, not be the best for uh, practicing the Dhamma. Um, but, you know, so, and a lot of people are like, oh, Buddhists, you know, got to be a monk, got to renounce everything. And like, that is one path that the Buddha, you know, the, the Buddha created the, the monastic Sangha for a reason, and because it offers a, an extraordinarily, uh, rich opportunity to just live the the teachings of the Buddha, but he also broke down the you know the the followers of the Tama into you know he called it the fourfold assembly. So you have male and female uh, monastics, and you have male and female lay followers. So the lay followers have a place in the Buddhist practice as well, and the. Um, you know, you can implement the teachings in your life. You could help support the monastic sangha um, and learn from the monastic sangha, and still be. A, I mean, when you look at the suttas, there are like a lot of people say, "Oh, you got if you want to become enlightened, you have to be a monk." But in the in the original suttas, there are stream enterers, people who have. Uh, entered the the inevitability the inevitable path to enlightenment as householders as lay people mm. um and it's so it's either either way whatever you approach like a buddhist practice you can make a right livelihood uh through many different uh, avenues. Yeah, I see one of our viewers said, um, uh, I think it's Kay, if I can Kai. see that right, Kai? Hi, Kai. Hey, um, yeah, caring for others is right livelihood. I mean, you can't, you can't go wrong with that. I mean, that, I mean, yeah. if you're just caring for yourself, that's a selfish livelihood. So, I, going off of what you said, it's only, it's kind of a, same thing in uh, especially like Baptist circles, like 
not everyone can be the preacher or a missionary, and there's going to be some of those people that are uh, just the the parishioners or like you know the common folk that that support the the ones that can do it full time, and you know for that we do have to work jobs, and they'll uh, they'll always say like uh like you might have to work at worldly job or an earthly job uh to be able to serve in a spiritual capacity because like if i'm if i'm struggling to make to make ends meet and if i'm just like uh, mooching off of other people like we're how am i going to serve in, in a spiritual aspect um to to others if i can't even help myself at first so um it's it's just a it's it's it would be ideal if everyone could just be a full time preacher, but that's impossible. That just doesn't compute. Or a missionary, like someone has to support the missionaries. I mean, if everyone was like a missionary or a preacher, that would defeat the idea of a preacher or a missionary. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, at that point, it's like yep, job mission accomplished. <laughs> At that point, um, we would expect Jesus to be on the earth <laughs> if everyone was in that. I mean, and, I mean, if you look into it, not everyone would be at that point anyway. So, um, even when Jesus is on the earth, so it's a, it's a, uh, there, in, in any society, there is a economy of different, of different pieces of the puzzle. So, just like in the body of Christ. Not everyone can be the hand, or we won't have a foot to stand on. Um, not everyone can be an eye, or we'll just it'll just be way too many eyes and be creepy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's uh, every every person has a job to do. Spiritual, spiritually speaking, in the body of Christ, um, we have like the prayer warriors. We have even like you know the people that clean the churches or the people that write cards to people that are sick or you know the missionaries and the obvious ones like the preachers and stuff. But uh, even within the the capacity of our daily lives, we all have a part to play too. So uh, I'm not gonna take I'm not gonna take that for granted like oh yeah okay i just work this job and i'm still ministering to my family i'm still ministering to myself and other people around me so yeah there's a story i can't remember if it comes out of the suttas or comes out of the zen tradition but there's a, a story of a a monk who was illiterate and so he couldn't study he couldn't read he couldn't you know, subsequently teach uh, the teachings and the other monks kind of, you know, poked fun at him and were like, oh, you know, you're, we're better than you because we can read and everything. And uh, the their teacher, you know, took him aside one day and was like, you, you can sweep. Your dharma will be sweeping. And the story goes that he... As he was sweeping with the the stroke of one of the of the broom, he uh, he gained enlightenment, <laughs> and so it's it, yeah, it's kind of like 
no matter what part you play, you know, like not not everyone can be monks because then, you know, logistically, then the monastic sangha wouldn't be supported by the lay people, and it's a symbiotic relationship in that in that aspect. So that would just kind of fall apart. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, I always I always look back and I've mentioned this on the show before. There's like a a meme, if you will, of like this guy pulling a it's like a sheep or a goat out of a flood and another guy's like helping him by like holding his hand and like the sheep are like the the people that this missionary's ministering to and the person like helping the guy stand up is the the local church. So like the church supports the missionary to support the world basically and and uh like without one or the other it's just kind of like a pointless impossible task um so not everyone in a congregation has to go out to a foreign country to be a missionary because then there won't be a congregation anywhere <laughs> and say like, oh no there's a congregation i gotta go be a missionary now no because that's the job of the missionaries to make a congregation somewhere else um so yeah symbiotic um relationships and everything so that's what we immerse ourselves in the world as um from a day-to-day point of perspective because that's what we're talking about we're talking about yeah, a day, day in the day. life yeah right day yeah. in the life day in the life i mean from a big picture that's that's really the practice that's really the the practice of uh, a christian of i mean of a general Baptist, if you will, is having that mindset, pray without ceasing. We all, we obviously like want to get immersed in the word as well, because that's how that two way communication between God and man works is prayer and the word. Um, and, uh, so there's always, there's always that responsibility as well as, is in reading and studying the Bible. Um, and uh, and also like in in a weekly aspect, we always we our church personally, my church has like a Sunday morning and evening service and then a midweek service to like give us a break from the world and like kind of take refuge in the in the church house while we're in middle. It's like a just take a break and take a time to relax and refresh yourself. So um, we're not doing it alone, and you know they have like. There's lots of independent Bible studies and stuff too that uh, people will hold to a supplement as well. Hmm. Yeah, that taking a break from the world. <clears throat> it's like that's kind of what a daily meditation practice is also for. Because um, you're like setting time aside so that you're not constantly always having to engage in in things in the world um and also kind of not really weekly but um every two weeks every, you know once every month maybe there's also the kind of optional practice of the opposita which is like gives you an opportunity to just give yourself a day to kind of step back from the world and refocus and recharge your practice and um and yeah take take gives you a refuge you know we have the you know 
the idea of taking refuge in in Buddhism, uh, kind of 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 we we're making a an effort to rely on uh, on the Dhamma uh, the and and the Buddha, uh, you know, of course, because he taught the Dhamma. So we're we're making an effort to to kind of rely on that to instead of trying to take refuge in the world um just from a buddhist perspective that like everything you know conditioned phenomena of the world is unreliable is dukkha so it's like okay you know i'm i'm tired of trying to take refuge in things that just keep changing and things that are unreliable so I'm just gonna I'm gonna lean into and take refuge into these teachings of uh, compassion and renunciation and um, I feel like I was gonna go somewhere with that but just kind of a, that's kind of a, a week or a month in the life of <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, all of this can translate to a lifetime of a life in the A life in the life of someone. Yeah. <laughs> a lifetime in the life of... And in, in Buddhism, it's, you know, every every moment is a an opportunity to practice. Um, and that's what Buddhism as a whole is, is a, a practice. And a friend of mine who is going to teach a class on the Dhammapada in November, he... I love what he says about the Dhammapada because it's, you know, it's a book of, of verses in Buddhism. And, and I don't think people, especially in the West, are like familiar with the concept of approaching a text not as like, you know, as a book that preaches to you about what you believe, like to believe, like, hey, believe this, believe that. But he's like, it's not a book about what to believe, it's a book about what to do. And because that's what Buddhism is, it's okay. What like how like what do I do to be more peace, to help end this suffering of day to day life, and you know, and so it's like, and it 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 you know, f this might be kind of a weird way to, and maybe very inaccurate way to word it, but it's like it's almost like advice, you know, it's, you know, it's saying like, Hey, instead of, instead of relying on, uh, instead of relying on sense pleasures, like trying to find the, the new exciting thing to engage in and, you know, entertain yourself, like why not try, you know, renunciation? Why not try taking a break from all these sense engagements like what happens if you just take a step back from that and seclude yourself from that that approach to life and boredom <laughs> boredom is a uh could be said to be a uh you know boredom is usually seen as a, a sign of aversion which is the opposite side of desire in Buddhism. Hmm.
Um, but yeah, if you see boredom, it's like, hmm, that is interesting. I wonder what that's about. And you can go into that more and see why you're bored, you know? It doesn't sound boring at all. I know, right? <laughs> boredom all, all of a sudden becomes extraordinarily, extraordinarily interesting and very eye-opening. So I think people are scared to be bored. Yeah. They're afraid to find out who they really are. Yeah. And like, they depend on outside influences to define them. And really, like, one thing, you always, it's kind of cliche to say in a Christian realm, but uh, like, it's good to be in the world, but not of the world. And they, they give an analogy of a boat in the water. It's good for the boat to be in the water, but not the water to be in the boat. Like, so, like, as a Christian, like, we can be in the world, but don't let it influence you to the point where you sink. Um, don't, don't take the world in. Be a part, be in it, though. You shouldn't let the world control how you act. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. How you react to it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Buddhism shares a very, very similar sentiment um, in that, in that sense of, you know, we don't we probably we might not use the the verbiage of be in the world but not of the world, but it's a really really close um, to that sentiment. Hmm. It's you know the kind of non attachment. It's like being surrounded by. Uh, I think Thich Nhat Han used to say that if if there's one calm person in the boat. The boat won't sink <laughs> because that kind of that presence like, OK, I'm I'm in this panicked boat, but I'm not going to let that panic get to me. I'm going to I'm going to sit here in the boat, but not. Not of the boat. <laughs> yeah, that. That reminds me of, I don't know how relevant it is, but like when Jesus was in the boat with his disciples and they were in a storm and he was just like sleeping in the boat and they're all like, ah, what in the world are we going to do? Ah. And he's like, guys, don't you know who I am? And like, he's just like, they wake him up because they're so scared. And he's the one calm one in the boat. Like, dude, I, I got this. Yeah. They, they didn't have to worry after that. Um, but that's, yeah, I don't know how related that was, but it reminded me of that. Yes, somewhat related. So anything else like that you want to, that comes to mind or that you wanted to address like as a day in the life of like any burning questions for me versus just what you are, what you think you already know? Is there like a... Any kind of like in, in Buddhism, we have you know formal sitting practices that you can you know wake up in the morning, make you know set time aside to sit and meditate, and then also times in the evening, times in the afternoon, like whenever you can. Pretty yeah, much. I, that's usually something that's encouraged um, to take time to read and a lot of people do like my Bible and coffee and you see it on Facebook all the time like yeah time for Bible and coffee and like they drink their coffee and read the Bible um, some people will use time like driving to work to like 
play the audio Bible or just like turn off everything and just pray, not the card because they're still driving, but like pray, like take time to pray. Um, you know, like any given moment, some people have their practices, some people don't. I don't have a specific time in my current life to do that, um, to like, okay, at this time, I'm just going to sit here and pray or read. Um, my life's, I mean, I'm kind of, I don't want to admit it, but it's like chaotic right now. <laughs> um, some people will have like a prayer closet where they like kind of sanctify that area, like set that area apart just for prayer and meditation on the word. So um, it's very individualized, very, uh, you know, you, there's no specific thing you have to do or any specific way to do it. Uh, a lot of people will, you know, the prayer without ceasing thing is, I don't think it's emphasized enough in Christian circles because a lot of people will like, oh, we'll pray for dinner. And like, that's one, like one of the most normal, like everyday thing for us is like, as a family, we'll pray um, before we eat dinner because that's the one time we're all together. Um, so we do formalize quote unquote that. And mm -hmm. like, we teach our kids how to do it and, like, hey, if there's anything you want to be thankful for or pray about, like, go for it. And usually they don't have anything specific, but um, but we all take turns um, and have our, have our day to pray for that. Um, and then it kind of creates a good atmosphere of, like, talking to each other at the dinner table about, like, oh, you mentioned that. Like, you mentioned that in your prayer. Like, we want to talk about it more, um, but like the a lot of people will say, getting into a uh, habit of only praying during these times messes up your prayer without ceasing, your unceasing prayer because you only think, I only have to pray here, but really, what Paul says is to always pray. So uh, it's again, it's more of a uh, mindset, uh, like a continual thing. Um, as you're going through your day. So there's, on both ends, it's like no structure or too much structure. It's, it can be too much of a bad, of a good thing or a bad thing. Hmm. Interesting. The prayer closet idea is really interesting. Um, in Buddhism, a lot of people try to have a dedicated room for meditation. Um, so that's kind of like a prayer closet in a way. Some yeah, people yeah. probably literally have a meditation closet. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, especially in the Theravada circles, they also emphasize making time to read the suttas because there's a lot of them. And it's, you know, it's good stuff. So I usually try to do like with my morning meditation, also make time to read a sutta or two if I have the time and if they're, if they're short. Hmm. Um, yeah. You have any burning questions? Yeah, I was going to say the same thing, like, with your daily practice. Like, you kind of already alluded to it a lot, like, 
setting that time for meditation and everything. But like, and I know we probably, we have spoken about meditation before. So it's, is it like specific words or things said, or is it like kind of more individualized for, for any given Buddhist? Um, I mean, there's a lot of different, uh, meditation techniques. Um, the most common one and the one that I most do is, uh, sometimes called Vipassana or uh, it's a meditation technique that comes out of Satipatthana Sutta or the mindfulness of breathing uh, discourse where it's you you watch your breath and you know before your first breath is over your mind is like running away and attaching to some other thought and the whole practice is just to sit there and bring your attention back to your breath and watch your breath, like be present and aware, like the, um, like Anapanasati Sutta, the mindfulness of breathing, uh, the Satipatthana Sutta that I mentioned earlier is uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. Anapanasati Sutta goes through these like 17 steps of mindfulness of breathing, and it's, you know, it's, very basic instruction like breathing in short you you know you're breathing in short breathing out long you know you're breathing out long so basically just being fully aware with your breath in that present moment and when your mind starts straying you just refocus um and you don't berate yourself it doesn't really help um but yeah it's that's it's deceptively simple and it's 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 easy but it's also extraordinarily difficult <laughs> hmm. and some people use mantras some people um yes yeah, so there's a lot of different a, a ton of different techniques taught by the Buddha. Hmm. Um, sometimes there's like an objectless mindfulness where you don't have a focus of attention. And I think that kind of translates into some like Tibetan traditions of like Dzogchen where it's like, uh, I can't even remember what they usually call it. Like, but it's an expansive, limitless awareness um, without a focused object of meditation, but like the four foundations of mindfulness give you ample uh, things to focus on uh, from your breath to your, to mind states. Uh, but many people are, find it sufficient to just focus on their breath. And that usually is what works best for me. Yeah, I've seen that practice like brought into just like non-spiritual like practices of like breathing techniques and everything of like being more um, mindful and aware. So, oh yeah, it's probably pretty effective. I mean, if you let it be, one could argue that the whole like mindfulness movement 
mindfulness fad even maybe um i came out of the you know satipatthana mm. uh, i don't want to say tradition but instructions hmm. i can believe that so with a so i we i kind of got us to dinner and then like now is there any specific like nighttime things that bring that that brings to mind like going from morning to day to um, night rev just the reflection reflections you know like the five reflections or you know uh meditation practice for me what i find really helps at night at nighttime bedtime before i go to bed is actually a meta practice um and it it depends on like the tradition because some people say oh metta naturally comes out of a mindfulness practice and some people say i'll oh, make you know at least five minutes of your sitting practice for metta and some people focus on metta some people go on metta retreats um but i find personally what helps what is useful for me is you know just like kind of informal metta practice before bed um helps kind of uh, shed some of the stress and anxiety and you know if if I'm still in that go 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 mindset it kind of helps loosen things relax things and sometimes I even feel like it, it gives me better dreams <laughs> oh I I would not doubt that with like dreams and I mean that that's really affected by your uh your state of mind and your uh, your energy at that time. Yeah. And really, like, for me, um, I think that, like, in a nighttime setting, it's always good. Um, it's always a good reflective time, uh, especially as you're coming down to think back at the day and, like, what the the next day has to bring but it's like a really good time to reflect on that think of what you're thankful for like what went great what didn't go great that day and like how you could change it in the next day um and it's always like nighttime is always a good, great time to like pray i sometimes i'll do like music at night if i can fit it in um because music has a way of affecting the uh the physical and the mental so music's always a, a cool way to end the day i don't get to do as much but even playing music too um i used to put myself to sleep playing guitar <laughs> um that was a long time ago <laughs> um, but yeah i used to be like before before i uh before I became a Christian, before I got saved, I used to be so afraid of the the unknown of the night and, like, where the mind goes and all the creepy stuff of night. Um, but really, like, that's one thing that I noticed had an immediate effect on me when I got saved uh, was, like, I was no longer afraid of that for some reason. Like, I just had a peace about that. Um so, I, mean, I fall asleep like, I fall asleep 
so easy. It's not funny. <laughs> so that's just me. <laughs> so that's basically in a very broad look a day in the life of not a Christian specifically or generally, but me um, in a spiritual sense. Yeah. I think that uh, wraps up uh, kind of a good summation of what it means to be an everyday Buddhist. <laughs> well, with that, um, I mean, this day is still young, so we have lots more to look forward to, at least for the day. Um, we will be, again, we will have some really cool stuff coming out soon. You guys are going to love it probably more than any of our episodes, or hate it. it any More than any of our episodes. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yep, yep. Um, we do plan on getting more episodes out soon. We've just been in a crazy hiatus, so we honestly don't have a timeline for you guys. But... We're not gone forever. Um, again, check us out, Baptist and Buddhist at gmail.com. Uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I think we, I forgot to mention that. Instagram. Instagram. All podcast you. apps. You can hear our voices and get confused on who's talking. Who is talking? Good question. Um, but for that, I think that's going to do it for now. Anything else so. we need to, we should uh, say? I don't think so. Because, I mean, he didn't come all this way just to talk to you guys, so. Actually, I have to catch my flight now. Yeah, good luck with that. Okay, well, um, I think we're going to end it there. So hopefully we will uh, talk to you guys soon, see you guys soon. Um, oh, I could play the closing song, our theme song, if this is tuned. Yeah. Well, I'll give Brian the uh, job to finish us off to end all the streams. So see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye.